The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. I'm going to pray because my brain is just laughing at you guys. <laughs> Father, I thank you for the love that so many of the chapel family have for one another. I pray for those, Lord, who may not have that type of relationship yet, that they would press in, that they would, that they would go out on a limb and extend a handshake to somebody, that they would go back to guest services, that they would come up for prayer, that they would just connect with someone who they've seen, maybe just someone that they saw singing today or somebody that greeted them this morning so that we could be what, what I always have hoped and desired and prayed for us to be, a chapel family, not, not a church gathering that sits in rows and, and doesn't get to know someone else, but a church family, Lord, that does life alongside one another. Lord, that, that we would have at least that core group of people to pray with and to, to lean on, and that we would have, like this morning's story has, uh, a group of people who would do anything for us. So I thank you, and I pray that, that this morning as we look at this very familiar story, that we would have eyes to see what, what your son was doing in the midst of this paralyzed man being lowered down, because I think we've missed it so often. So, Father, give us faith this morning to see and to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said. How many of you guys have that friend who's, uh, the? I don't know if this is still modern, back when I was a kid it was modern, that friend who's down for anything? You guys have that friend? Some of you are that friend, right? I've, I'm blessed, because watch this, you guys. I can do it in this room. Okay. Um, do any of my friends want to go jump out of an airplane with me? Yes. Do any of my friends uh, that call myself a friend, would you go to a Brazilian barbecue place and try to eat so much they kick us out today? See, I knew I'd have some friends. I'm down. I'm down. I got some friends. Um, any of my friends in here, any of my friends want to go hunt an alligator and then, like, gut it ourselves at the end? Okay. I was just counting on Frank, but I like the Florida enthusiasm. Um, it's a, I'm like, there's an eight-year-old back there like, yeah. I'm like, what? Dude, have you never watched Naked and Afraid? <laughs> By the way, it's foyer. Foyer. Because it's an exciting place to be. <laughs> We're in the book of Mark chapter 2. You guys flip or scroll in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. By a show of hands, who's heard the story of the four friends who want to get their paralyzed friend healed, so they lower him through a roof. Who's heard this story? It's a very church-oriented story. If you haven't heard it, um, it's, today is going to be the day. You're going to hear it. Um, who here is ethnically Jewish? You're ethnically Jewish? Are you just, it's because your beard you're saying that. It's a beardist. I asked for it. Okay, because if you're not, and now I have my work cut out for me. I'm going to read it, the whole passage, Mark chapter 2, 1 to 12. If you can follow along, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room. Everyone say, no more room. Not even at the door. Man, imagine how, that's a lot of people. I went to my uh, in-law's house, Charlie's my father-in-law, the guy that's in the bromance with Jared, um, just the other day, 
And love bugs are out already. Have you guys noticed? My goodness. For whatever reason, like it's maybe it's the angle that the sun hits my father-in-law's house. I've had like dozens smattered here and there. But when I went to his house to punch in his garage code, which is, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I went to his panel, and I'm, I would guess just on this pillar where his garage code thing is, at least 300 love bugs and like 50 just on the ledge covering this thermometer that was there. It was so gnarly when I went in to hit the garage code. My kids came with me and they got assaulted, so they ran out. So I'm hitting the code. It was like that scene in Indiana Jones when he's got to reach in through the bugs and pull the lever. You remember the scene or the girl does that? Yeah, that's what I felt like just doing the garage code in the suburbs of Tampa. Love bugs were eating me alive just crowded. I can't imagine that many people around. I, um, if you don't know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of an agora, agoraphobiac. It means I don't like large crowds. When I go to Disney, uh, I would bring the stroller, and the stroller we have, one of them, it's the double bob. And I like it because it's like a snow plow. It's like got a big V in the front, but it's for humans. So when you're going... It doesn't matter who's on their Instagram. It doesn't matter if they speak your language. There's a common language to all mankind. It's called, I'm bigger than you, moving faster, and I have a plow. And I just go. And it's like Moses parting the Disney Sea. Jesus is in this house. That is, it's packed. There's not even room at the door to get into the house. Because people have heard that he's doing these miracles. He's casting out unclean spirits. He's healing people of diseases, and they want a piece of it. Anyone here need a healing today? Anyone? Okay, boom, boom, boom. We're going to pray for you at the end of the service. If you just raise your hand. If you don't come up, you lied to God. Verse 3. This is, this is it. They came. All the people came, bringing, bringing to him a paralytic carried by the four. The four men. These are the four guys. These are the down-for-anything friends. They're at home, and they're sitting there with their buddy. He's on the ground, obviously. I shouldn't joke about that. And they say, hey, Jesus is in town. Let's go to his house. And they look. They say, no, his house is packed. Because remember, it's smaller. It's not like a fishhawk-sized community. It's like a Bridgeview-sized community, like the, the loop here, not even that big. And the friends say, you know what? We're going to get you healed. You guys, pick him up. And this is the one downfall of being a child or someone who's paralyzed. You can't object. Just your friends pick you up. And they started taking him to the house. And you could, you could almost see it like, you know those movies where someone's going to do something epic? And it starts out regular speed. It's like, let's go. And then it's like, and they walk up to the house. And there's crowds around it. And there's people saying, let us in. We got to see. And if you're not my size, you can't even see in. And, and let's, just most people are this big in this day and age. Like the Jewish culture, we're saying like 5'8", at this time was probably on the tall end of the spectrum. So they get to the door and they think it's too crowded. And then here's where you've got the one friend. You've got down for anything friends, and then you've got friends who come up with the dumb ideas. I think there was one of those in the group, because I think one guy said, Y'all, it's crowded. And the other three were like, yeah, let's just wait in line. He's like, nah, nah, y'all. Let's go dig a hole in a roof. <laughs> and they say, like, step one is, 
and think about this logistically. This is not, there's no stairs, there's no fire escape. They've got a paralyzed guy in, in a mat with a rope, because we, we read this in the story in a second, and they say, now let's get on the roof of a first century Jewish house, like a, a mud brick house with a mud thatch roof. Now, it wasn't like our roofs here, like when a hurricane goes, goes on. Uh, last year, for example, when, when Irma hit, I remember we, I was going around the neighborhood afterwards, and I saw shingles everywhere, and I was like, dang, someone's got some bills coming up. And then I thought, wait, that could be my shingle. So I got my neighbor with his drone, and we droned over my house, looking down, making sure none of my shingles were missing, and I was good. It's not like our roofs. They would repair their roof every year, but it was still, it's rude to just walk in someone's roof. It's rare that you could even walk in someone's house. There's two people here that I've just walked in their house multiple times, Jared and Derek. I just did it to you the other day. I like knock as a courtesy knock, you know, like that friend. I'm like, hello. Not even, I knew other people were there. I knew they'd be dressed. But I just rolled in. These guys, they're not even, they're not even waiting to do the play. They're not even going to try to climb through a window hole. Just that one crazy friend. That's all you need is one crazy friend. He says, hey, guys, the roof. Paralyzed guy, probably thinking, no. No, no. But once you get, you know what the Bible says, where two or three are gathered, something dumb is about to happen. So they... <laughs> So they rope him up, probably under the arms, I'm guessing. And one of them climbs up, because you got one friend in every group that's like the CrossFit guy. So that guy, you go first, and you pull us up. And then we get our buddy, Paralyzed Pete. You just pull him up and just, there he is. And he's probably thinking, dude, if I don't get healed from this, I'm going to be so mad at you guys. They get him up, and they just start digging through the roof. I love this story. It's so good. So, so when they, they remove the roof above him, above Jesus. So Jesus is there teaching. He's preaching. He's teaching. And the roof is getting removed. <laughs> when they had made the opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic, paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Everyone say, what? what? Yeah. Okay. If, context. I'm preaching. If all of a sudden, stuff starts falling from this roof, here's what I'm doing. I'm saying, hey, all you people that I know have concealed carry licenses, go outside and shoot whatever that is. Actually, I wouldn't even have to say that. As soon as something fell on me, I know at least three people who would already be out there just for sport hunting. And it's like Jesus is just sitting there. And it it says, once the opening was made, an opening big enough for a human. So Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden there's thatch and mud falling because it was right above Jesus. Jesus probably looked up. I don't know if he gave him a little wink. Wink, come on. But then they kept digging. (laughs) And you have to imagine what it must have been like. Like in a modern church service, when a kid coughs, all of the people that don't have kids, give them the judgy neck twist, right? Some kids like, wah, <coughs> and all of those people who forgot that kids are humans go, how dare you? Bring a child into a place where Jesus said, always bring children. Imagine the distraction. 
as you're preaching and teaching the good news of God's kingdom coming to earth, and there's a sunroof being built during your message, and then a dude coming down, and I don't know how much it was like above Jesus. The houses were small. Uh, we're not talking a 2,900-square-foot house. We're talking a room. And then this, this guy's coming down. I guess if you move for anybody, it's for a paralyzed guy coming down through a roof by a rope with four friends that are like, oh, we did this. And then Jesus looks at him. And if I'm that paralyzed guy, and you've heard about this Jesus who's doing these miracles, you're thinking, this is it. It's now or never. I came for hope. There's some hope. And the friends are like, yeah, we got you in past the crowds. We got a fast pass to healing. And then Jesus says, son, and it's, that's a tender. You need to hear the tenderness in this. Son, your sins are forgiven. I don't know about you, but if I'm, if I'm paralyzed or if I'm the paralyzed guy's friends, or if I'm this crowd who's gathering to Jesus because he's been healing, and the first thing Jesus says is, sons, your sin, sins have been forgiven, I would say, thank you. I was looking for something else. I had something else in mind, Jesus. I'm going to give you a hint. It rhymes with farms and pegs. Arms and legs. He's a paraplegic. That joke played better in my head, but I just made it up two seconds ago anyway. I can't imagine the shock. The friend's thinking, we just dug a hole through a roof. But here's, here's what's amazing. If I tell you guys this, your sins are forgiven. I doubt anyone here is shocked. Everyone in this room was absolutely blown away when Jesus said this. Because there's something we don't understand that they all understood. And it's revealed in verse 6, some of the scribes, everyone say pastors. The scribes are like, the, they're my people. The scribes in this day were Bible nerds, or are Bible nerds today. So if you're a Bible nerd and you teach the Bible, you are what the scribes were. They were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I love this stuff that Jesus has. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit, he just knew. He knew that they had thus questioned within themselves. He said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, here's why this is, this is amazing. The fact that Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, and we just gloss right by it because we've been hearing this for so long. But you don't understand the culture. Here's the culture that they're living in. Let's say you're just a guy or a gal that lives up in Galilee. And one day, you're strolling along, and you see an animal, and you're thinking, ah, oh, my animal just died or is injured. I'm going to steal this animal. And you steal it. Boom. 
stole your goat. Take it home. You get busted because stealing is bad. One of the big ten, if you don't know. Well, you just sinned. And not only did you sin against that person, but every time you sin, what the Bible calls sin, it's not just this transactional breakdown. Every time you sin, you're actually staining life because you haven't just made that person mad at you. You haven't just taken something from them. You've actually messed up a whole community. It's the same reason why, for example, when something happens in any community you live in, somebody goes on the Facebook page and they say, oh my gosh, little Billy's bike got stolen out of our garage. What do we all do? We all put the angry face, we all go load our shotguns, and we close our garages, we lock our doors. A couple weeks ago, Jackson got his first punch in the face. Yeah, it happened, you guys. I was so proud. Just clocked. He had had this altercation the day before playing tag, and this, this little cousin got injured. And Jackson wasn't maliciously trying to hurt him, but he got injured, and he went home because he likes to cry, and he cried to his big, bad middle school cousin. And the next day, the middle school cousin came out to the park and was trying to fight Jackson. And, uh, and Jackson said he was like, getting away, like, I don't want to fight, no, no, because Jackson's in fourth grade, and he's built like a green bean that's been steamed, just a, uh. and this middle schooler was a little more like, ah, and then finally the middle schooler said enough of this, and just laid in, bah, right in Jackson's face, so Jackson comes home, his face is like puffy, pink, he's crying, and I hear from upstairs, Amy said something like, oh, no. And then I hear a door slam, the front door. I was like, what is, I go downstairs. I'm like, why are you crying? Where is your mother? He's somebody hit me. And he puts his hand up and it's swollen. And I'm thinking, Amy's going to go to jail. <laughs> so I leave all of our kids, including the newborn. I'm like, I'm out. If my wife goes to jail, I'm dead too. I can't live alone like this. <laughs> in, in, this, in this scene, it just unravels. I mean, it was so crazy to me that somebody hit my kid and my kid didn't hit him back. So I told Amy I want a paternity test. <laughs> I'm just playing. He's sweet. Jackson's a sweetie. And, uh, and when I got there, all I heard, because Amy had run the kids down barefoot, and then she saw me coming, and I was as angry as a buffalo. And I, I hear Amy, I'm like 15 feet away, and she just looks at me and looks at the kids and says, good luck. <laughs> and she just walks backward. And I'm like, good luck? What am I supposed to do? Like, pastor jailed for beating 12-year-old? What do you mean, good luck? I can't touch him. What do you mean? So I'm like, I now i got to figure out something to be tough. Yeah. See, what happens is when anything like this happens, and I went a little overboard with that story because it's so much fun to tell, but when anything like that happens, it changed the whole neighborhood. Guess how many kids are playing on the daily at the park now? Like very few are playing without parents. All of a sudden, there's a huge uptick of parents with their children in my neighborhood. Because thuggery has happened. 
And I was on Facebook. I'm like, I'm buying my kids gloves. I'm teaching them jujitsu. I'm teaching them every fighting move that I ever learned growing up, which means no rules, just win, even if they go blind. So now the parents are like, oh, this guy is crazy. Yes, I am. And then I had to remind myself, you're a pastor on Sundays. You got that? (laughs) Whole neighborhood is changed right now. I got my new toy, my electric skateboard. So now when my kids are playing, my neighborhood's one loop. I literally just go around the loop on my skateboard, just eyeballing people. And I became that like dad. Everything changes. When you sin against someone, it doesn't just affect that relationship. It affects everything. It graffitis death and mistrust and brokenness everywhere. So when you did that, and as a Jewish person, you said, I got busted. It's not just between me and this person, and there was Jewish law, I have to pay them back. But there was also this idea that you had to go sacrifice to, to pay for the way your sin contaminated and stained the community and contaminated and stained the nation. And we all sin. We all are a part of this. And we all have uh, the thorns of our brokenness that tear down the things that God wanted to be beautiful. So you have to go down to the temple in Jerusalem. There's one place, one temple. And you had to either bring an animal or you could go there and buy an animal. And it costs you money. And, and if you're just this average person, like, okay, we're going to do the journey. i got to get forgiven. So you march all the way down, miles and miles, to have this atonement for your sin. You would buy your animal, and you would wait in line. Because you've made it right with your neighbor, but you are waiting in line to pay for the way that your sin has broken and contaminated community. And there was a symbol in the Old Testament. It was the symbol of blood. Because sin requires death. Because what you do when you sin against someone is you bring death into a community. Death through selfishness. Death death through greed. Death through stealing. Death through coveting. Death through a hundred different ways. So you would bring this animal after you either bought it there in the outer courts or, or you brought it from home. And you would be in line. And the priest that day would have been working. And they would have started with a, a white garment that by this time would be just red. It was gruesome. Because, we, because it didn't ha- doesn't happen in our culture, we can't even fathom the gravity that you must feel. When we sin, we think, ah, I've done something bad. God must be so mad. When they sinned, they literally saw what their sin needed. So they would bring their lamb, if you're like not the first in line, to the priest. And he would take the, or whatever the the offering was, lamb or birds, take it and go through the ritual on the altar. They would kill it. And you'd be right there. Like my sin here in my community leads to this before God and others. Death. I mean, we would take sin very differently, right? The priests got to, to eat some of these meats. So if you want to go back to this, I'm always down for a barbecue. I'll be eating all that meat. Lamb. Now here's what we don't understand. At the end of that, the priest would say something similar to what Jesus said. Your sins are forgiven. But they were the only ones because they went through the process of saying, this is how bad it is. This is what broke. This is the way that you brought death instead of life. So in order to redeem that, a life will be taken. And it was always a symbol. 
for the, for the Jewish people. It's a symbol saying this is what has to happen. And now Jesus shows up. No lamb, no temple, no rituals, just a guy popping through a roof. And he says what the priests should have said, which is why the pastors say, why is he talking like this? He is blaspheming. He can't do this. He's not doing the ritual. He can't just walk into a house and say your sins are forgiven. But Jesus had the big picture in mind. Jesus knew that one day he would go and be the sacrifice. And in the lamb's blood, which applied to that person for that situation for that time, Jesus would give his blood, which applied to all people for every situation for all times. It's the one sacrifice for all because it wasn't a lamb. It was the blood of the Son of God. This is radical stuff. This is why they said he was being a blasphemer. Because that was something reserved for God people at the God place during the God sacrifice time. And Jesus is just dropping it in the middle of a house with no complete roof. Now I want you to think about your sin. I want you to think about your lives. What, when you fall short, it's another word the Bible uses for sin, when you trespass, when, when you go somewhere you ought not to have gone, when you sin, and by sin I mean when you treasure something above God in your life, when you say, I want this to be satisfied more than I want God, what do you do? What do you think? Do you think God's going to punish you? Do, you? do you think, I just did this? Man, I'm going to get wrecked. God is, he's coming after me. I thought about that poor kid. Uh, what he must have been thinking when Amy went running down the street. If you know my wife, she's not intimidating. Um, unless you know her really well. But she said they were trying to get away. <laughs> my wife is not a huge exerciser. She's got a shirt that says something about like, um, I hate running. But most people wear that ironically. She just wears it and doesn't run. But she said, when I saw them, they started taking off. So she just barefooted it after these kids. So some of you have that sense about God in your life. Like you've done something wrong, so you've got to get out. You've got to run. I know it's true because there are some people that I've, I've run into, and they've told me, I just can't go back to to church right now. They can't even like come to a gathering because of something they've done. And they're, they're scared that if they come here, God's going to say, oh, but remember that time you stole this or you looked at that or you drank too much of this or you treated your spouse like that? Come into my house. Lightning time. And we think, so many of us, that, that God is like Thor just waiting to bolt us when we get in the doors. And people joke about it with me all the time. People that don't come to churches, and they're like what we would call like the, the pagan heathens. I also call them my friends. I say, hey, man, just come to the chapel. I know, dude, you, can't, you don't understand. I can't go in there. I'm like, why not? Because, dude, if I walk into your church, God will just kill me. And I'm like, dude, 
He doesn't need my building to kill you. How weak do you think he is? He could kill you right now. As a matter of fact, if you just drive into Fishhawk, you have a better chance of getting killed. I don't know, man. You don't know what I've done. Dude, you don't know, you don't know what Jesus has done. You think that, that your sin is a match for his blood? But we do. All of us do. Maybe your sin leads you to that shame thing where you get so ashamed, you just want to curl up into a ball and hide from everything. You don't want to let anyone in because shame is pressing you like a vice. Maybe you're the person who I say all the time, you just beat yourself up. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. If you beat yourself up, Jesus was beat up enough. If you're being swallowed by shame, remember Jesus was swallowed by all of God's wrath so that you could be freed from shame and condemnation. If you feel like hiding your sin, remember that Jesus laid everything open and bare so that you could finally be free from judgment of others. And it is so satisfyingly free when you can rest in the fact that Jesus sees everything about you and says, I still choose you. I feel bad for people who don't, who are, who are hiding. And it's, it's part of me. All of us hide something. All of us try to appear better than we are. All of us have a, a sort of an Instagram veneer on our life. It's not true. But when you can taste the radical, incredible freedom, when you understand that, that we don't have to go and bring a lamb because Jesus was the lamb for us, and all we do is by faith come to him, and he says, you're free. It makes life so much easier to live. There's no fear of getting found out because Jesus already found you out, and he still loves you. Even if others don't, he always will. But this, this guy, the paralyzed guy, I still, I think he got the coolest deal because Jesus used this moment to show everyone around him, I am replacing your old way of living and being a Jewish human. I'm giving you a new way to be human. It's through faith in me. It was through the faith of the friends that Jesus looked and said, son, your sins are forgiven. That is a weird passage. Jesus looked at their faith and said, son, your sins are forgiven. Because those guys had faith to do this. Maybe Jesus knew that you're part of that crew. I'll, I'm down for anything crew. I'll bet you after that guy got healed, he was the most down for anything ever. Can you imagine how pumped you'd be if you're that guy? Like, dude, I just got healed. If I fall off something again, I'm going to go find Jesus again. Can you imagine? Hey, hey, is that cliff too high? Formerly paralyzed Pete. Nah, that ain't too high. There's this cliff. It's called the edge of the world or end of the world and on the big island of Hawaii. And we always used to go jump off of it. And the funniest thing are when the tourists go to jump off this cliff. And it's not super high. It's probably about as high as uh, the roof, okay? Like the peak of the roof in the water. And it's deep enough. And there's like a couple parts you can climb down. Maybe the lowest you'd get was from the projector jumping into the ocean. And, and after I lived there for a while, and I would like, I was all tanned out, just Hawaiian looking. Me and my friends would go there, and we would just jump, just like, woo, woo, 
going. I don't like heights like ladder to hard, but I'll jump off any cliff into water. Um, and then you see the, the tourist people. They go to the edge of the, and they look down, and then they're there with their friends. Can I do it? Do you think I can do it? And there's always that one friend, the down for anything friend, who's like, yeah, and they just go jump with their scared friend just petrified. And here's the thing about faith. The faith that the friends had to dig the hole in the roof. The faith that you have to have to come to Jesus and say, I'm going to trust you even if everyone's against me. I'm going to trust you even if my heart speaks against me. Because if my heart condemns me, my heart is lying because God is truer than my heart. The, the full faith embrace of that jump at the end of the world, it's beautiful. And here's the thing about the big island of Hawaii. If you've never been there, that's the one that had the lava recently. The whole island is very fresh. It's the freshest of the Hawaiian islands. It's very rocky and lava-y. Not what you see in your head. It's not Kauai, which is what you all picture, or Oahu. This is fields of lava rock. And the end of the world is jagged lava rock. So if you jump out, you're free and clear. Unless you hit a turtle, then you're in big-time danger. Because those things hurt. Um, and they're like Snickers bars for tiger sharks. So if you're close to them, it's a double whammy. But, it, but if you jump, you're good. But the timid people sometimes, you know, you know the people, the ones that do the high dive and they sort of just like wiggle worm off. If you do that on the end of the world, there is enough jagged death rocks to where you're, you've seen the videos on YouTube. Like your leg catches a rock and then you start flipping like you just got whacked by the Hulk. And you smack the water so hard, you don't even submerge. Like, you already have blood that's going to be coming off your leg because you just hit lava rock. And then you hit the water with such flat force, it's like those cartoons that go, <laughs> and, uh, and the locals on the Big Island, man, they're worse than, like, locals of Floridians. Locals of Floridians are just, you know, like, low-key, say some weird things I don't get, and love Cracker Barrel. The locals of Hawaii love to see it when tourists, like, injure themselves. And they'll be there, and they'll be like, Oh, gee, brother, you see that guy over there? Going to be bleeding all day. <laughs> and I'm over there like, oh, You guys are terrifying. You got to take the full jump. Some of you are tiptoeing in forgiveness. Like, I want it, but not enough to where it's going to change my life. Like, I want the... The part where Jesus says, you're forgiven and that's all nice. But I don't, like, do I come up if I need healing? What do I do when God heals me? We don't know what this guy did, but we know everywhere else in the Bible. When Jesus healed someone, they went out and lived for him and told everyone about it. When Jesus changed something in their life, they went and told everyone about it. Your sins are forgiven. They're forgiven today. Who are you going to tell about it? Are you going to just tiptoe? Are you going to have what the Bible calls faith and take that jump? Because there is always a time for faith. Christianity, I believe, is the most reasonable faith. There are reasons that I build my mind and my heart and my soul on that are strong and, and logical and fluid. But eventually, in every worldview, not just spiritual religious ones, every worldview requires a jump of faith. And some of us are more of the stumble kind. I pray that today you would jump. That you would jump and be free from your shame. Jump and find relief from your past. Jump and confess something that you're struggling with to a friend and find freedom 
from your present struggle, jump. Don't just tiptoe. Jump. I'm excited to see how God changes us. I'm excited to see how God changes you when you realize how forgiven you are. And he says, now get up and go. I pray we would all go today. I pray we would live in the reality that when God comes into our life, he doesn't just change our spiritual state. He's also concerned with our physical state. Not that everyone's going to get healthier and wealthier, but it's a foretaste of what's to come. When God's kingdom is fully established, there will be no more sickness. There will be no more paralyzation. There will be no more cancer. There will be uh, no more surgeries needed. Our soul will be fully forgiven and found in him, and our bodies will be made new. This is Jesus giving a complete taste to those in that house of what is to come if you follow him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be forgiven in that it's by faith alone and not by our works, not by our effort, not by our behavior, but it's by faith alone that we are forgiven. So, Lord, for those in here who have been running from you, for those in here who have been playing religion, that are saying, I feel so bad and guilty and ashamed every time they sin, Lord, I pray that their faith would leap into your arms today and that they would trust what you say in your word, that for those who are, that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. I trust that they would believe what you say in your word, that their faith has now crucified them to Jesus, and it is no longer them who lives, but Jesus lives in them. Lord, I pray that they would find the faith to confess and to find help for all the things that are plaguing them, whether it's the broken relationships, the worry and anxiety, whatever it is, Lord, give us faith to jump in to your arms and find help in the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.